welcome to another Tech Experience podcast from Connection. In honor of Cybersecurity Month, we've been having conversations with Connection team members and partners about all things security. In doing so, we had an idea, a question. What would happen if we gathered some of these folks in a room and we just talked about some of the interesting, crazy, and scary cybersecurity issues that they've come across? The answer, it's what you're about to hear. Now, our panel includes several folks. Steve Nardoni is on board, Director of the Cybersecurity Practice at Connection. Lane Shelton heads Connection's Microsoft Center of Excellence. We had two senior security engineers with Connection, Mitch Tanaki and Bill Virtue in the room, and Rob DiGiramo. He is the Product Manager for Security Consulting and Professional Services at Connection. Now, leading the conversation and kicking things off for us is Penny Conway, our Senior Program Manager for Workplace Transformation, with a story straight from her email inbox. What's funny is I get a about once a week and I'm looking it up on my my email right now. I get an email from PlayStation or so I think that says need to change your account password, change your password so you guys can see it's like a full or maybe I have my sure view on so you can't see. No, I can see it. (laughs) But I don't. What I find really interesting about this is I in my never in my entire life have I ever had a PlayStation nor have I ever had a PlayStation account like because they do the whole TV streaming thing like everyone else does. A lot of people would look at this and go, oh, okay, PlayStation, that's well known. I'll click on that and I'll give them my account information and then all of my data gets lost. And I'm, But I'd only click on my work computer. Right? Well, when they send this out to a million people, somebody's going to have PlayStation. Somebody's Somebody click has to it. click. Wait, you mean Penny Conway 40622, the world <laughs> champion of Destiny 2? That's not you? You, know, <laughs> you would never guess, but I am into e-gaming. <laughs> Quite a professional. So what are some of the, like, the crazy sort of things that you guys have seen, um, either in your personal lives or just kind of working with customers? in terms of the whole phishing thing? Like, what's the most sophisticated thing you guys have seen and what's the most, like, I don't even have a PlayStation account. Why would they be asking me for this? The most sophisticated is is probably really hard to answer. Um, Probably the most sophisticated is the phishing attacks we conduct ourselves as part of our security (laughs) testing where we really get in and do things like uh, analyze customer environments and, you know, send... uh, a phishing email that says, you know, you're you're in a, a, a town that has a state fair, right? Or a state that has a state fair, you know, here's a discount, you know, click on this link and you'll get a $50 discount and so on, right? So you get a lot of people to click that. The simplest one and the scariest one that I've seen is uh, actually as a family member, I won't mention who and I won't give a lot of detail on this, but they're working for a company and the CEO uh, sent an email to the uh, CFO and said, please send me uh, all the, in a PDF form, all the W-2s for every employee in the company. And the CFO said, hmm, okay, and pulled it all together and sent the W-2s to the CFO. And then the next day, I saw the CFO in the hall and said, hey, I just want to check you got the W-2s, right? <laughs> and the CFO said, what are you talking about? So every employee in the company's W-2 was exposed, right? Think about the interesting information that's in a W-2. Uh, and it was just a simple email, right? They just had to spoof it coming from the CEO. The person didn't recognize it. And wow, that's, that's when you just go, I'm, I'm fired. I'm, yeah. I'm fired. I'm just, just going to see I'm myself just, out. I'm, 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 I'm going to head out. Now. I'm going to bring my own box. I'll pack it up. It's fine. Yeah. 
You know, it's in, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. I don't, or maybe even last year, um, the new, some of the New Hampshire school districts had a, a W2 hack around, um, around tax time. And someone had gotten into, uh, the, S, the different SAU districts and put out an email saying that to retrieve your W2 for tax season, put in, you know, complete your information here and like, your social security number and your full name and things like that. So they had teachers that were getting this email from payroll to go and retrieve their W-2s and willingly putting their information in because it was timely. They're like, oh, I'm going to get it and don't have to wait in the mail. I'm going to go and retrieve it right now. Um, There was a huge breach um, across New Hampshire schools just from something simple. Like, And that's what I think that's probably more sophisticated because it's taking normal behavior and normal things and not out of the norm and allowing people to freely give their information and opening them up. I don't know if this has actually ever happened or not, but you know how when we get the we get the cybersecurity training, you know, you have the you get the you click on the link to go to the the, the place where all the training is. If, if anybody's ever had a uh, phishing attack that yeah. <laughs> masquerades as that, you know, click here to access your cybersecurity training. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give anybody be, any ideas. That would really but that's be interesting, pretty... <laughs> wouldn't it, to be that sophisticated, get in the middle of a link to cybersecurity training, and then teach everybody the wrong thing? <laughs> if you see a thumb drive in the parking lot, verify that there isn't something sensitive on it because that's good security practice. Right, right. right. <laughs> that, that, that goes. So we're going to demonstrate. We're going to live demo our DLP policy, and uh, because when you type your network password and credentials into the screen. It's just going to return a series of X's. Go ahead and type your network password and credentials into the screen right here and hit enter. <laughs> we actually did a, a phishing campaign on a previous company. In fact, I think Mitch might have been the creator of this. I'm not sure. Uh, that Where we sent out a notification to a targeted set of employees with the Outlook web access uh, login screen. We just did a screen scrape, put it in there. And basically when you log, the message was we've just modified OWA and you need to validate whether or not your credentials still work, right? And I think we got what about a 62% click rate or something. Whoa. Like that it was that, high. Right? So, yeah. 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 And yeah. One of my favorite ones uh, was, uh, I'm like, no one's going to click on this. You received a fax. Uh, sent it out to a targeted group and they happened to be salespeople and I didn't realize that people still sent faxes and it was the end of the quarter and boy did I make a lot of people mad at me. Oh wow. Because <laughs> like, yeah, well, here's the fax and you know, they go, they click on it expecting it to be a invoice or a PO or something. Um, yeah, that was fun. And I learned a lot about sales cycles and uh, when not to send that, those type of uh, you, And you campaigns. also learn people still get back. Still get back. Yeah. <laughs> are still used. Wow. I think, I don't know if that was the most surprising part or the, or the click-through rate. The click-through rate for that one was like close to 70%. Wow. So so do you have you guys ever worked with a customer that's kind of like, no, 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 I don't need that. I, you're like, it's more of like your sky, the sky is falling. I'm not worried about antivirus. I'm not worried about yeah. this. I'm not. Uh, I've had customers say to me, I don't want to do social engineering testing because I know I'll fail. I was like, <laughs> but how bad will you fail is what you need to know. And they, they're adamant that, you know, we're going to fail, so we don't need to worry about it. Yeah, you but know, I've also had customers say that I don't need any kind of a security assessment because I'm my environment is locked down. Yeah, right. You can't get in. Right. right. <laughs> so. Burn. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> and that's where you go challenge accepted, right? Like, that's let's, right, let's yeah. do this. Yeah. I mean, my favorite conversation with a customer during an assessment was they, they were running laptops. They weren't running the firewall. They weren't running fixed disk encryption. Uh, and they were running with admin mode, right? As the credentials for the user on the firewall. And I said, no, there's risk associated with that. And they said, no, not really, because um, we have firewalls and we have internal controls and we get that pretty well locked down. And I said, hmm, laptop. Does anybody ever take that laptop and go to like a Starbucks or a cyber cafe? Or, oh, yeah, yeah. People take them out all the time and use them. And I said, I think you need to reconsider your, your security <laughs> policy, right? Firewalls, FDE, I think that's probably something you need to consider. But it was really interesting that they just didn't understand the concept of on-domain versus off-domain security. And I think a lot of customers get confused by that. Right. They think as long as, like, if someone's VPN, like, using a VPN to go into your network and they're working in your network and being able to pull their, like, they're sitting here in the office, then that's just as secure as them sitting here in the office. But sitting or on sitting a, at Starbucks. Or, but when you're sitting at Starbucks, you're on a network that uh, someone could actively be browsing, waiting sure. to just kind of pop into that person's computer. That's right. Yeah, or propping out the door on the loading dock that yeah. is directly allows you to enter the data center and leaving it wide open because you're having a some level of a heat issue or something in the data center <laughs> with nobody monitoring it, right? Yeah. So I'm going to do a, a couple of, of rapid fire questions to, to each of you, and they'll, they'll be different, but feel free to hop on and add your answer if you'd like to. So Bill, we'll start with you. Bill, what's your favorite piece of technology? Oh, uh, I would say SIM technology would be number one and followed closely by uh, next generation AV. All right. And uh, Steve, what is your favorite application? And this can be personal, too. It doesn't necessarily need to be business. Oh, man. Ways. <laughs> Ways. Yeah. Like Ways. And Mitch, if you could be doing any job in the world besides this job that you love, what would it be? Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, either something with hockey or on a boat. Hockey or on a boat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your job? Just to be on a boat. I just sit on a boat. I just ride boats. Just ride right. boats. Hockey on a boat. Hockey on a boat. That's even better. There we go. But Steve, I was going to ask you that question too because what would I'm going to? What would you do if you weren't doing this job that you love every single day? Well, um, I don't know. I would love to. Of course, Aerosmith. You know, they're kind of getting a little bit old. Uh, but I, you know, I always used to say I want to be the drummer for Aerosmith. So that's you know certainly a band like Aerosmith, right? That would yeah. be awesome. I could handle that. And you are a drummer, right? I this am, isn't I like, am. I want to be a drummer and. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely have been playing the drums for a very long time. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, Rob, I'm actually going to throw you a similar question that I threw to Bill because you are our um, um, Internet of Things guy now. Mm. So what is your favorite piece of technology and application that goes along with that? 
So thinking about them hand in hand, I really like my smart speakers. I talk to them all the time. I ask them all kinds of questions because I'm I'm not smart and it's way smarter than I am. So I'm like, hey, what? How old is this you know actor I'm watching on TV? And it tells me in like two seconds. Well, they listen to you. That's that's one big thing. Well, that's the other thing too, right? They're I've got always two little kids. listening. I've got a yeah, I've got a four year old and a two year old, and they don't listen to me at all. So the fact that something's responding to me is great. <laughs> this is wonderful. Have you have you have you named them yet? <laughs> they make me call them. You know. You, Alexa. But, um. So the scary part about that is that Rob actually asked that question at 8 o'clock last night, and I heard it on my monitor as well, and I was listening to his smart That's right, I got, a, in his home. I got an email from Steve with the, the actor's IMDb page and said, you should check out this movie. Um, but the my really scary part is that his daughter's name's Alexa also. Yeah, right. so. that, must, oh, that one's good, confusing. No, 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 no I, I don't love it that much. I didn't name my kid after um, <laughs> But my favorite application is uh, the photos in iOS because having little kids sharing photos with family and friends is important. So do that pretty quickly. And that's, that's my favorite application. Kind of unrelated, but, you know. No, totally. Uh, Lane, I'm going to switch a little bit. What is your least favorite piece of technology? My least favorite piece of technology? My old VR headset because it <laughs> sucks compared to the new stuff that's out. I need to get a valve index and I have the old Vive. And so the resolution, you know, when I'm swinging the sword in Skyrim VR, I could be doing that in much higher resolution, much better detail than I'm doing today. <laughs> you know, you know, we might have a few people that can get you a, a better VR headset. I, I would sign right up. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Microsoft has one. Maybe. You know what? They're, they're going down the augmented reality path. Gotcha. I go down the virtual, like, I don't want that stuff overlay. I want to get out of reality and into virtual reality. Yeah, I want complete cool. immersion. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's the wielding the sword. I'm having difficulty envisioning. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's interesting. Like the gaming industry it makes me think just as a quick aside about, you know, about the, how we pay for all this stuff. The gaming industry is a lot like Netflix in that it makes a lot of money on binging, right? And so sure that, that makes me wonder if VR, you know, how VR is going to overcome that. Because you're not going to binge for 14 hours on Skyrim VR when you're running around swinging a sword, you know, shooting a bow and dodging and doing all that. It's like you can do that for about, you know, 30, 40 minutes before it's, you feel like you've had a workout. So it'll be interesting to see how the VR industry overcomes that hurdle. There's a whole movie. I forget. The, I'm hoping maybe one of you knows what it is. There's a whole movie where... Like the world now is being in your your virtual world, yeah. yeah. Um, the whole the whole day, and it's almost like the real world world is scarier than the virtual world. Yeah, it's it's a you know you I can spin I can get lost in VR sometimes, and sometimes when you take the headset off because you're so used to moving in three dimensions where you can go up down so you know you, you, that that <laughs> stuff. Then you get then when you take it off and you're like, why can't I just float over there or I want to go up to the ceiling. How come I can't do that? You know, I can't just will myself up there. It's a little So imagine weird. the security risks that come when you can immerse yourself in virtual reality for 14 hours a day. Now you're dealing with incoming attacks and people doing things in a virtual world. That will be a whole new area of expertise for you guys. Very interesting. We'll have to add that to our design portfolio yeah. for 2020. <laughs> It'll go into the solution map. Yeah. It might be 30, it might be 30 20 well, before you have to worry about it. Yeah. What, what threat? What new threat vectors would come with like wearable technology, which is probably not you know not too far away when you've got technology in your clothes, maybe in your you know in your well, you know implanted medical devices, right? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's terrible. 
terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Insulin pumps, there are all yeah. those IoT things that Rob loves. They're oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. vulnerable. Oh, yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. I, want to, I want to go back to the VR route. Um, if we have to <laughs> identify vulnerabilities in it, we need, we're going to need headsets. That's right. That's, so, that's true. That's a lab. That's yes. a lab. <laughs> that needs to be At least three or four. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, no, that's actually a good idea. We should set up an advanced threat protection virtual reality lab right. sponsored by Microsoft. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Nobody would laugh at us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know someone's doing it in an R&D room at Microsoft right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill, let's uh, throw uh, one of the questions to you. What would you be doing today if you weren't doing this job that you love? Fishing. Fishing. Mm. Is, that, is that PH or F? No, that's <laughs> He's like, I'd, be, I'd actually be one of the bad guys. Uh, no, if I wasn't doing this today, uh, I'd probably be doing it as a hobby. Fishing? I'm still not sure if it's PH or <laughs> One or the other. Uh, well, one, one pays for the other. One right? pays for the other. <laughs> so any other crazy stories that you guys have seen or heard, you know, when you're doing sort of the entire security landscape of like complete vulnerabilities or people who have been so insanely tight and locked up that they can't do anything because they're trying to be so secure? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I think, you know, except for the government, right? You don't really see that higher level of, of insane security. And we do see a lot of um, uh, neglect in the physical security space in in corporate America. Um, we actually had, uh, this is another one of our favorite stories from previous jobs, right, Mitch? We had a, a penetration test that was done on an environment, and we had somebody come in, and they went into the printer room and plugged in a network scanning, uh, you know, analysis device in the wall and stood there for, well, and sat, stood and sat for probably about six hours collecting data and, and not wearing a badge or anything. Not one person said, hey. Who are you? Because they just thought this guy's got to be the printer repair guy or the Xerox repair wow. guy or whatever. So that level of awareness is something that we see, again, the physical security uh, pretty lacking in, in general corporate America. Well, it's one of those things that you see like in a movie, the guy who dresses up like the printer repair guy and comes in or like in the casino movies. What's that? Ocean's 11. Mm -hmm. Where they all just dress up as workers and no one thinks well, anything he, of them. So, he was the best dressed repair guy. <laughs> I think it was a three piece suit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, tie, really? <laughs> yeah. So you at least have to look the part. You know? So I got a question, maybe a serious question. So yeah, I came up in the, did a lot of software asset management, you know, in my, in my career. And one of the things that was, I always found was a challenge for customers for, myself is that like software asset management when it's done right like just business just happens it's like you know when you when you win in sam like then everything just happens it's just normal so it's really hard to generate the kind of awareness and ongoing that, that companies are willing to invest in right it's easy once they get started because it's like, hey we're going to do this and it's going to solve all these problems but once the problems are solved then suddenly the budget starts to tighten up because you just there's no visceral like win do you think there's a parallel insecurity in that you know when it's when it works nothing happens that's the whole point like business just just goes on so you only hear about it when something blows up right do you think that that makes companies you know makes it more challenging to to maintain a security budget over time especially the the the, the better you get at it it's almost like the the harder it is to maintain your budget i mean i saw that in sam but i kind of see that 
is that is that a par- is that a parallel in security? Well, we we talk to, to customers all the time about the fact that uh, you know you're talking to a director of IT, right, that also owns all cybersecurity, and the general complaint is I have a really hard time convincing leadership that we have a risk and that I need budget because if they haven't felt the pain, yeah. they believe you know we're not a, we're not a target the numbers of of people i've talked to and they said you know i'm a trucking company in the middle of the country i'm not a target for a cyber attack my first question to them is are you connected to the internet <laughs> yeah, of course we are well then you're a target of you know for cyber a cyber attack um so yeah I, I think uh we see that a lot in in smaller corporations right small and medium business corporations if you haven't felt the pain you believe it's not something Something you need to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, also part of you know, <clears throat> it's Moore's law, right? Every eighteen months, technology just ages out. Right. So there's always new technology that companies should be looking at to protect their environment. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just one of those catch twenty twos where like the better you get at it, the less anything actually like bad happens, and right. so everybody forgets about it, and then you you know the money gets allocated to other things, and, you, and then your risk goes you back up again. You work yourself out of a job. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. But then they hire you back as soon as something breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think this is a good place for us to kind of wrap things up. You guys have been wonderful guests um, over the past few episodes. It's great to get to know you and your practice, but I think more importantly, um, what an asset you are to our customers today to have that consultative experience um, around their security and the value of security. And like you just said, Bill, it changes every 18 months or so. So what is happening today and what, um, you know, policies or procedures are in place today may need to be adjusted in just a year and a half, two years down the road to make sure that you're constantly ahead of those threats where um, you can protect, detect, and uh, react appropriately. So thank you so much for joining us um, in honor of our Cybersecurity Month here at Connection on the Techsperience podcast. And I hope you guys come back soon, um, maybe in 18 months when technology changes. (laughs) Or sooner. (laughs) Thank you. It was great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.